Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. And good morning, everybody. We are ready to go. Are you ready to go? Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale loan to the public, go to rmfp.com. Got your workout clothes on. You ready to go? Ready I to, am. Ready to pump it up? What's I today? Am. Buys, tries, back. Uh, legs. Le- oh, so you have a straight leg day. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get into a straight leg day. I was yeah. talking to a couple buddies of mine. They're like, just do straight legs. And I do legs and shoulders, but I still do a lot of legs when I do legs. Yeah. Well, you have such wonderful legs. Very very well-shaped and formed. Once I figure out what the word patronizing means, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do for your leg day? Uh, I'll do some squats. Yeah. And I'll do calf raises. Right. And then I'll do lunges. Okay, so crazy question. Dead bell, you know, cowbell lunges. Well, you always need more cowbell. So when you do your sets... You do three sets of 12. Do you do four sets of 12? What do you do? Uh, no, I do. I will. I don't do it quite the way that I mean, I'm older now and I'm not. I mean, I used to be. What you used to do? Well, I used to build towards a max. Okay. So I would go. So I would go light early with higher reps. Right. And then I would build right. toward, towards a max. But how many sets would you do uh, of prob- one probably, exercise? Probably five. Oh, okay. Probably five. There we go. I, I mean, but a warm-up set hardly even counts. I agree. If you're doing 12 or so of, uh, you know, 100, 200, 225 or something like that yeah. back in the day. I, right. You know, not now. Right. But, uh yeah. Well, you're all swollen. I mean, it's it's easy to see that every shirt you wear is a schmedium. No, 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 it's not. But I mean, I'm but I'm down ten pounds. I'm probably down fourteen pounds from the from the highest weight that I used to sustain. I was about one eighty, about one eighty five, one eighty six. Yeah. So. Wow, you look very fit. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, Billy Turner back at practice mm-hmm. and not surprisingly slotted immediately into right tackle. Uh, what kind of value do you think he's going to bring to the offensive line if indeed he's the start of the season? And in some ways, are we kind of overvaluing him just a wee bit because we look at Calvin Anderson as a nice player, but not necessarily as a starter? No, I don't think that we overvalue him. It's a fair question, but here's my thought. He's been in the system in Green Bay. He's been successful in the system in Green Bay. He is obviously a guy that I thought, Eric, I thought he was pretty good when he was here the last time around. I, I didn't think he was bad. He's a lot better oh now my in terms of the neck up from people who I've talked to. No question. Understand what's going on in Green Bay. It's as if it's as if he got an undergrad degree here and he got a master's well said. in Green Bay. Well said. And so, A, he's a better player. B, he has more experience in the system. As long as he stays healthy, and I'm knocking on wood, you're that's a huge upgrade at right tackle. He's plug and play. You yes. put him in, you put him in and, you, and generally speaking, you don't worry about him. 
Um, I mean, he's not a physical beast where he is going to run somebody over, but he's very tech technically sound. And he's man mountain, so he's hard to get around. Yeah. I mean, he's just a physically large human being. Right. Um, no, I'm excited about that addition. I think the other thing that w is going to help tremendously, and I don't necessarily think has been talked about a lot, is when you have Calvin Anderson lining up next to Quinn Miners, both guys are kind of learning with each other. You put Billy Turner out there, he can kind of help Miners a little bit as well, and I think that is super important. Now, uh, we go to the final preseason game. Brett Rippon is going to be the guy. Um, I don't think it's really a surprise, considering how he's played. I think we both played, called it earlier this week. He has earned the right to start, and I think Nathaniel Hackett wants to see what he can do against the twos. Uh, if the Broncos only keep a couple of quarterbacks, I'll be honest with you. If Rippon plays well, I'll just come out and say it. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. I, I think you're right. Yeah. I think that's the one position, and maybe there's maybe there's more, but I think that's the one interesting position that will be decided this weekend because I think that there's little to choose from. Right. 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 So we'll see. The answer is you don't want either one of those guys with all due respect to you don't want double J and, you don't, want and Brett, you don't want them to play he, with all due respect. Well, okay. He, he, you, you know, I love my analogy. So let me throw one out at you. Okay. Uh, let, let's, let's construct a dinner plate. Give me a meat that you love. I don't eat meat. Okay. Uh, you eat fish. I eat fish. Okay. So Give me a nice salmon. Okay. So on some cedar salmon is the quarterback. All right. You like vegetables. Oh, load me up on vegetables. Well, what do you, what do you like to have? Uh, how about asparagus? Okay. That, that sounds good. We'll do it a mm. little. Well, listen, a little lemon. Okay. With the salmon, what, with the salmon, what we'll do is we'll uh, marinate it in, um, I don't know. We'll do some soy sauce and fresh ginger and garlic. Very nice. Ironically, that's, well what, done. that's what I had for dinner two nights ago with me. Wow. Okay. Nice job. Uh, the asparagus will, uh, just grill it. Um, salt, pepper, a little uh, balsamic vinegar. Fine. Does that work? Okay. That's, Perfect. That's your offensive line. Great. Okay. Uh, potatoes, what do you like? Um, hmm. How would you like them cooked? Boiled. Small, boiled. boiled that, that's small. it? Yeah. I, you know, man, I that's don't. It's pretty plain. Yeah, I don't. Well, you don't want an au gratin? You don't no. want a baked potato? A baked potato I'm okay. good about. Yeah. Okay. Let's go baked potato. A baked potato. I'm light, getting... light salt. Okay, salt, mate. You no sour cream for you. No. Okay, any no. butter? Any butter? No. no. Uh, chives. Yes. Okay, fine. Okay. okay, those are your skill position players. All right. God, we're getting and, in the weeds. No, now I'm about to hit the whole point. Okay. So you're going to eat everything on that plate, right? Yes. You want to throw in a little, little garnish, don't you? Mm, okay. Okay, that's the backup quarterback. You yeah. Don't, you don't eat the garnish. No. It 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 looks good. You're, you're gonna, I'm not about the parsley. You're, you're going to push it to the side. I'm not about the parsley. You're not going to eat it. I agree. It's not necessary. Nope. And that is your backup quarterback. You don't want that to be part of the meal where it's filling you up. And if it is, you're going to go home hungry. You don't want a backup quarterback saying, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. No, you don't want that from your backup quarterback. Right. That's fine. We're all good. You want you want Russell Wilson to be yes. the salmon on the plank. Which means 
that in your own way, you are signing off and supporting Nathaniel Hackett for every single thing he's done in this preseason because it's all about insulating not only Russell Wilson, especially Russell Wilson, his most valuable asset. And we'll talk more about that in in the next segment about Russell Wilson and conversations he and Nathaniel Hackett had. Here's another way to put it. We're talking about that parsley garnish. Mm. So, So you take Russell Wilson off the field. So you have your boiled potatoes, you have your asparagus and your balsamic glaze. Well, we decided on a baked potato, a baked potato. but that's okay. All right. Yeah. Now you have just taken your salmon on the plank and you've taken it off the plate and in its place you put a piece of parsley. Ooh. That's your backup quarterback. Yeah, good call. You don't want to do that. If you had to handicap it, who do you think is the better quarterback? I'll just start it that way. Who do you think is the better quarterback? Who's the better fit? Rippin. I do, too, and I'll go first. When I look at Josh Johnson, I don't see his accuracy over the middle is very right, good. Right, I don't either. He's good at throwing outside the numbers, but the game isn't outside the numbers. In Strong the co- arm. In the college game, it's outside the numbers right. because of the hash marks. Right. In the NFL, it's about being over the middle. Yeah. My concern about Rippon is, is his arm strength and having enough zip to get the ball over the middle. I think his football IQ is pretty high, not to suggest Johnson isn't. But when you look at just the numbers, if you want to go stat geek on the opening two preseason games, the eye test tells you more than the numbers. And this is what I mean. Josh Johnson threw more than a few 50-50 balls in which his wide receivers came down with them. Big time. That is going to help your statistics. Mm -hmm. Also, if I'm not mistaken in that Dallas game, uh, one of the guys just cut. Dropped a touchdown pass from Brett Rippon. Mm-hmm. That would have helped his stats. Right. At the end of the day, you don't want the parsley on the plate as your main course. But if you have to choose between parsley and a lemon wedge, I'll go with the parsley, which is Brett Rippon. All due respect to Josh Johnson. I agreed. I, I think that we're on the same page. Uh, real quick. So the uh, Broncos got the roster down to 80 Yesterday, Joe Schober, Trey Quinn, Casey Tucker, Stevie Scott, Tom Compton is on the pup list. Uh, any surprise that Schobert only got eight days to show? A little bit, um, only because I think he could have been in that next scrum, which is what twenty-seven guys coming up next Tuesday. Yeah, I, I mean, I but but maybe they saw, but obviously not maybe obviously they saw enough to say, eh, this guy doesn't have the motor, the skill set, whatever the case may be, to help us. So, okay, I, that's fine. I think two things are true here. One, to your point, I agree. He didn't show enough. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, for him to stick around and possibly make this team, he had to be at least an 8.5. No question. 8.5 or a 9 in one game, and he wasn't. Listen, no. the whole defense looked bad. Yeah. He had to be an 8.5 or a 9 to at least make the next round of cuts to potentially make the team. If he was a 5.5 guy, I think... Hack it and out and look at it with George Payton and say Singleton and Stranod are at least six and a half. So why take playing time away from those guys when this guy still looks a step slow and we'd rather give Singleton and Stranod reps? And it was a difficult task to come in that quickly in a week, essentially. The only thing that's surprising, Bruce, is the fact that on day one, 
he was standing next to Josie Jewell. Right. You're thinking, okay, wow, they're really giving this mm-hmm. guy a crack at it. Well, they were force-feeding da- him. And eight days later, he's yeah. driving home. Exactly. And when I say driving home, I mean literally because he lives in the area. Exactly. He's not flying home. Family didn't have to move, nothing. He's just driving home. The good thing is he's made a lot of money in his career. Yep. And enjoy your time, my friend. Coming up after the break, Nathaniel Hackett was asked yesterday how to balance Russell Wilson, who likes to extend plays, likes the deep ball, and getting hit. Love what Hackett had to say. The question is, will Russell Wilson listen or trust his instincts when he is on the field? There is one guy that Wilson should talk to about Nathaniel Hackett and Hackett's philosophy. Who is it? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman and Hurdle, Mile High Sports Radio. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Uh, about a year ago, my HVAC unit broke down. It was blazing hot. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to wait a while for somebody to come over. Well, uh, I probably called in the afternoon. They had somebody at my house at noon the next day. They said they were going to show up at noon. And why is that a big deal? They didn't show up at 12.05. They didn't show up at 12.10. They didn't give me a window of like three hours. They showed up on time, which I loved. I needed a new unit because my unit was 16 years old. I got the best product out there called Rudd. The customer service was fantastic. Got a great price as well. And then I said to the guy, I'm having a problem in one of my bathrooms. And he goes, I'll take a look at it. I'm thinking, I probably thought that, you know, they had somebody for plumbing, somebody for heating and air. Well, they do it all there. That's the way they are trained by Kevin, the owner. So it was full service. Absolutely loved it. And they have over 1,000 five-star Google reviews. That's not pretty impressive. That's incredibly impressive. Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air. You need to check them out for all your needs. Go to MightyPH.com. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. Nathaniel Hackett asked yesterday about how to balance Russell Wilson extending and making plays without getting hit. Remember, uh, he was like a pinata for most of his career behind Seattle's offensive line. Hackett said, for us, we talk about the intention of the play, said the idea is to limit off-script plays. We don't ever want him to get touched, and Russ has embraced it. That is good. We have heard a lot about the relationship that Russell Wilson has with Nathaniel Hackett and how they work together as a team. 
Uh, they confide in each other. They work with each other. They consult with each other on what Russell likes to do. Hackett seems like the type of guy who can convince you with data. Players want to know why. They don't want to. They don't want a coach to tell them something, and then the coach can't tell them why. I think Hackett is very, very good at communicating. And if Russell Wilson is even reticent or on the fence about buying in, all he needs to do is make a phone call to Aaron Rodgers. Because under Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett, Rodgers changed his game. He wasn't as much of a deep thrower over the last couple of years, two and a half years. What did that net? A pair of MVPs. And he doesn't get hit as much. And Russell Wilson does not have the talent that Aaron Rodgers has. However, he certainly has enough ability to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers has won MVPs. Russell Wilson, for as good as he's been, and he's been pretty darn good, hasn't even gotten a vote for an MVP. It would be, if he needs convincing, that would be a pretty good phone call to make. But I don't think he needs convincing. I think Russell Wilson is first and foremost smart. Yeah. I think he gets it. And he wants to win. Bingo. And he wants to be, he loves this game. He loves leading men. He loves the process of learning about the game and everything that comes with it. So then isn't the, the connect the dot here? The next step of learning for him at the highest level possible is how do I make myself better and at the same time prolong my abilities and my chances to play for as long as I'd love to play this game? It makes perfect sense. I don't think that there's going to be an issue. Now, to your question as you teased at the end of the first segment, how hard is it to to revert back to what instinctually comes to you? And it comes to you so easily because you've had success doing it. I'm going to give you a really good example of a guy who worked, worked, worked. I know he was not seen by many as a very good quarterback here. And I don't think he was a very good quarterback here. But I think he is your perfect example of when the pressure is on, the muscle memory kicks in. Mm -hmm. And that is Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow worked with multiple quarterback coaches in order to fix his mechanics. But when he was under pressure, he would revert back to who he was because his muscle memory never truly kicked in. The worry for maybe, if you want to call it that, for Russell Wilson is when his muscle memory kicks in and he's right. under pressure, is he willing to throw it away? Is he willing to go for the short pass? Or does he want to extend the play to go for the home run ball? The defining moment in the relationship between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers came early on in their first season together in which Rodgers was extending a play and he chucked it downfield. And right when the ball fell incomplete, LaFleur, like a white sail at pennies, came running up to him and barking at him like a dog. What in the hell are you doing? Why are you extending this play? Why are you going for the home run ball? And people in Kansas City thought, 
or excuse me, in Green, Green Bay, Bay thought or- this is going to be the beginning of the end between the two of them because we know that Rogers certainly has a pretty salty personality. And what Lafleur said to him was, "It's okay to take a profit. There is nothing wrong with a ten-play, eighty-yard drive. A, we're keeping our." Offense on the field longer, so our defense isn't on the field as long. There's nothing wrong with moving the ball instead of trying to get it all at once. At the end of the day, a touchdown is a touchdown. It's kind of like a submarine sandwich. You don't have to eat it all in one bite. Take little bites. The sandwich isn't going anywhere, and it's the same outcome. You finished it. You got what you wanted, except in one case, you're going to give the coach indigestion. And in the other case, you're going to be fully satisfied. They had a fairly animated brush up on the sideline. People thought that relationship was pretty much over right there. And it was actually just beginning. And in an interesting kind of twist, it ends up being that probably was the initiation of the relationship and how it's evolved to this point right now. Yeah. That first moment of, look, you can say anything that you want about Aaron Rodgers, and there's a lot of ancillary things that go along out around him that people may have take some exception to. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. There is only one opinion you can have of this guy as a competitor, as a leader, as a quarterback, and generally as a football player. Yep. And that is... He's one of the greatest of all times, but he's evolved. He's evolved. And if you can't look at him as an example from a guy that coordinated him for what, the last three years, four years, whatever it is, then you're missing the boat. And by the way, Russell Wilson doesn't miss the boat. Right. I I think that this is going to be a no brainer. I think it will be interesting to see whether or not, his, I don't even want to, he doesn't get happy feet. Um, he, but it, because his belief is I can extend a play and he can. I'm going to utilize my talent. Exactly. And sometimes utilizing your talent could be to the detriment, detriment. of the team. Bingo. Absolutely. And that's the hard thing to get the jump over. You know what? You know where we saw that perfectly illustrated? In last year's AFC Championship game with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, good he, call. He utilized his talent. He moved around and then started making mistakes. At times, he should have just thrown the ball away. Instead, he wanted to be, and he's great at it, he wanted to be Patrick Mahomes. But he did that to the detriment of his team. Will Patrick Mahomes evolve? I, can we agree that Patrick Mahomes is quarterback 1A or 1B? at the top of the list in the NFL right now. I think he is. I think I think when you combine, and, and a lot of people, this is what I've been told, a lot of people don't know this. He has a photographic memory. Yes. So all, you have to, all he has to do is look at something. Joe Montana, very much the same mm-hmm. way, visual guy. Uh, Bill Walsh designed everything with illustrations, and Montana used to say, when I was standing at the line of scrimmage, I saw that illustration in my head and like a great chess player moving pieces around four five six moves ahead that's what some of the greats from the neck up can do that is peyton manning that is joe montana 
and that is Patrick Mahomes. Well, the key for Patrick Mahomes is going to be at least... How do we get on Mahomes? Well, from the outside looking yeah. in... Well, he's in the division. And I brought him up. And he's in the division. From the outside looking in, can he do less with the more that he has? Right. He's an immensely talented guy. Let me, let me sum it up in, in with one sense. With no fear whatsoever. When we watched him running around like he was running from bees, kind of like what Tim Tebow did when he was here. When you're running around, you're working hard. But there's a difference between working hard and working smart. Exactly. And he has to do less. Yeah. Not more. Right. And he's in a situation where you would look at how the offense is structured now and you would think, well, we need more out of Patrick Mahomes. I think they need less out of Patrick Mahomes. Right. Coming up after the break, Yardbarker.com had a great article titled, Players Who Could Retire at the End of This Season. It is a pretty impressive list if all of these guys retire. I don't expect all of them to. But when I, when I was looking at the list, I'm thinking, if a bunch of certain guys retire, this will be the greatest Hall of Fame class <laughs> ever, ever, outside the inaugural one, ever. We'll chat about that next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman and Hurdle. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. Yardmarker.com. Article titled, Players Who Could Retire at the End of the Season. Here's some guys on the list. Tom Brady, Von Miller, J.J. Watt. Kareem Jackson, Calais Campbell, local kid, went to Denver South, Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones. I'm going to go through each guy. And a quick yes or no, because we'll move on from there. Do you think they'll retire at the end of the season is the question. Tom Brady. Yes. Von Miller. No. I agree. J.J. Watt. Getting closer. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I think so, too. Kareem Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Calais Campbell. Yes. Aaron Rodgers. No. Julio Jones. Yes. Okay. Those are the three that I had. Oh, okay. Okay. I had Brady, Watt, and Julio Jones. I think many people would look at the 2021 Hall of Fame class and look at the top three and say, that was the greatest top half class of all time. Peyton Manning. Woodson, mm. Calvin Johnson, mm. right? Pretty good. This one's better. This one's better. 
for starters, let's just go quarterback to quarterback. Yeah. Who would you rather have, Brady or Manning? Well, I mean, Brady. Okay. All right. Calvin. I mean, I'd rather, I mean, personally, Manning, but there, but there's shades of that. Okay. But, but you, but it's hard to argue with Tom Brady, right? Yeah. Pretty hard to argue. Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones? Well, I like me some Megatron, man. I do too, but it's closer than people think. Calvin Johnson dominated, but so did Julio Jones. Oh, yeah. Especially no with that. I think it's a push, but I'll lean towards Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Woodson or JJ Watt? Well, different kinds of effects no on games yeah. without any question, but JJ Watt was a game record. JJ Watt plays a position that you have to account for him on every single play that you run. And so for enough years, you still couldn't deal with him, even sending two guys and a guy chipping against him. He was a game wrecker. So you'd pick Watt. I think that I would probably take Watt. So which class is better? I think that I by yeah, I think probably this one this would be one. better. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it would be by a ton. Nope. But I think that if you're but at the at the at the at the wire, okay. This one wins. This is how I look at it. You have the greatest quarterback of all times. Yes. And people will say, Are you nuts? And that's okay. JJ Watt was injured a lot. Yes. Okay. He was. Terrell Davis for a three year stretch was arguably the greatest running back of all time. But the truth is he wasn't. Barry Sanders actually had a better three-year stretch than Terrell Davis. However, when you throw in Terrell Davis in the playoffs, then it becomes a wide margin that you take Terrell Davis. But we're only talking about the regular season right. here. Bar Barry Sanders, believe it or not, was better over a three-year stretch in his career than Terrell Davis was, which seems absolutely insane. Just go look at the numbers. And many people would say, not all, but if you had... If you could pick one running back for your team, I'm not talking, let's not go back to Jim Brown. Most people would take Barry Sanders, even over Walter Payton, even though Walter Payton, to me, was the better all-around back of all time because he blocked, and he was a tremendous blocker. But as far as just running the ball, and that's what the guy did, and you can throw in receiving, too, it's Barry Sanders, at yes. least my opinion. I would agree. I'm bringing this up for this reason. J.J. Watt was injured for a good part of his career. Mm -hmm. But over a four-year stretch, and I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. J.J. Watt is the greatest defensive lineman to ever play this game, and it's not close. Yes, even better than Aaron Donald. And again, it's not close. Reggie it's White? Better. Here, check this out. Okay. Over the four-year stretch I am referring to. Right. J.J. Watt averaged about 80 tackles. Pretty solid. And he moved along the defensive line. Yep. 69 sacks in four years. Mm -hmm. That's far better, better than Reggie White. He forced 15 fumbles, recovered 10 of them, defended 41 passes, and oh, by the way, returned an interception for a touchdown that was 80 yards. Aaron Donald's numbers... Four-year stretch, his greatest four-year stretch, 59 sacks compared to 79. Average about 60 tackles compared to 79 tackles. Excuse me. Sacks, 69 for Watt, 
59 for Donald. Tackles, 60 for Donald, 79 for J.J. Watt. Mm. Force fumbles, Watt 15, Donald 14. Fumble recoveries, Watt 10, Donald 4. STF, that means stuffs at the line of scrimmage, and Watt was much better there, too. All right, so refresh me because I've got short-term memory. Yeah. What is the argument here? The best four years? Most dominant four years in 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 defensive line if he history. Doesn't, my point is, if he doesn't get injured, he has a long career of doing that season after season okay. after. He was an impossible guy to cover. I'm not going to fault a guy like a Gale Sayers or a Terrell Davis because their bodies right. failed them. Right. But over a four year stretch, when he was healthy, there wasn't a more dominant defensive lineman in the history of the game. Reggie, uh, Reg, I just okay. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I'm just going to point this out. Yep. Reggie White, starting in 86. Yeah. At the age of 25. Yeah. 18 sacks. Yep. 21 sacks. Yep. 18 sacks. Yep. 11 sacks. Here's J.J. Watt. I'll break it down. 20, 10, 20 and a half, 10 and a half, 20 and a half, 17 and a half. That's pretty close. Yeah, you're right. Force fumbles. They have that stat back then? Yeah. Well, how many do you have in that four-year stretch? Um, 12. 15 for Watt. Okay. Fumble recoveries, how many do you have? Mm, he had uh, seven. Seven. J.J. Uh, Watt had 15. Tackles. What Nin- did he average, roughly? 98, 133, 123, Is that right? Yeah. Whoa. Well, color me corrected. I he mean, had, wait, he had how many tackles? 98, 133, wow. 123, wow. 83. I mean, that's crazy. L- l- look, I'm not. I'll go right No, 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 no. And, 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 and we're only, wow. we are only arguing shadows. Yeah. These, yeah. these two are exhibit one and one A. Right. And I don't care what order you put them in. Right. I don't care. The argument is good. Yeah. And the argument is sound. Yeah. They are to me and Reggie White probably and Reggie White did it longer. Yep. So if I'm going to get into hyperbole yep. here, I'm still probably going with Reggie White, but JJ Watt, if you use the argument and the argument is a good one and yep. I use it for baseball all the time. Right. Was this guy? Yep the most dominant or amongst the most dominant players at his position yep. for an extended time during his career, yep. that's the end of the conversation And Reggie, Reggie White had a longer career. He was a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Right. J.J. Watt was a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. But no, I, I didn't realize that his tackle numbers Did you, were, were, were as high as they were. And here's one for you on Reggie White, too. You're right. He was only de- only Defensive Player of the Year twice. Right. So, look, I, I'm not diminishing it. But he was Player of the Year at the age of 26 right. in 1987. And then his last year, then his last year yeah. in 1998. By the way, wow, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is going to continue to play because he wants to play. But I also think he has no interest in being in the same Hall of Fame class with Tom Brady. Yeah. Because he won't be the marquee guy. I, I I I think that there's... He won't be the marquee guy. I, I think you're probably right. 
<laughs> what do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? A legendary football player and broadcaster passed away this morning, and 131 FBS college football teams were ranked into 24 tiers. We'll tell you which tier the uh, the local schools landed in. That's all next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. All right, Bruce, uh, what would you find out about Reggie White and stats? This is profootballreference.com. Yep. So I offer up yep. this source. You can uh, make a judgment on whether... Yep. You like it or not? Yeah. Uh, comparing the two for the four years that we were talking yeah, about. Right. Uh, total number of tackles for J.J. Watt, 81, 80, yeah. 78, about 76. Right. Okay? For Reggie White during that uh, during a four-year period early in his career, yep. 98, 76, 133, yep. 123 by my remedial math. Yeah, it's much more. And that's the best that I can do. Right. That's 125 more tackles now for Reggie White. Is it going to change your mind when I tell you that many people thought Randy Gratishar had 200 tackles a year? Now, remember, it was not an official stat Mm -hmm. back then. It was not an official stat back then. You know when tackles became an official stat in the NFL? Well, solo tackles, nineteen ninety four. Um, it was not. No, it was not an official. It was. It was. They said it was kept. But, okay, but it wasn't an official stat. So you could have some Yahoo up in the press box saying, "Okay, that's that's a tackle. That's a tackle." All right. Let, let's. All, let, all let, I'm saying hold is, on. Let, let's just. It never became an official stat till two thousand one. Okay, fine. I don't care. I've seen both players. Reggie White was a more dominant player. For me, yeah. over the extens- over the extension of no his career, question. and I think, and I have to be reminded of those four years early on in his career. Yep. Okay. We- Look, but but we're but we're arguing degrees here. Right. All I'm saying is, when it became an official stat, an official stat, Reggie White's tackles were 76, 50, 41, 38, 45, 46, and then his final year, which won't even count because it was 16. The point is, when it became an official stat, suddenly it was like a bowling ball dro- dropping off a table. And he was still, you can make the case, when he went to Green Bay, in the prime of his career. He was still in the prime of his career at that point. Well, he was 32 years old then. Okay. But you don't go from 133 to 76 over the course of a couple of years. Well, it, it wasn't over the course of 100. It was 133, 123, 83, 100, 81, 79. The drop-off went from 79 to 49 in 92 to 93. This dude was a... He was unbelievable. This t- <laughs> but it became an official stat in okay. 2001. Okay. So he never even played in an era 
when it was an official stat. My point is about Randy Gratishar. Mm-hmm. People say that. Oh, Randy Gratishar, right. He had 200 tackles a year. He may have, he may not have. You can go look back at the film and yeah. probably figure it out. Right. I'm just saying, I find it hard to believe that a defensive end made 133 tackles. Those are middle linebacker numbers. Okay. Then that, You're basically saying he was involved on every single play. Well, not every single Almost. play. Well, yeah. Not really, but that's okay. What do we uh, What do we have right now on the final word? The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, Hall of Fame quarterback and iconic broadcaster Len Dawson has passed away this morning at the age of 87. Uh, Eric, I understand you knew him a little bit, and Bruce, you knew him decently well. Much better. Uh, how, will Len, how will Len Dawson be remembered? Oh, well, both of us covered the Chiefs. First of all, so that's it's not Len Dawson, it's Lenny the Cool. And let me tell you something, and Eric and I can both attest. There, there are four great faces of Kansas City sports on Mount Rushmore. Len Dawson, George Brett, Buck O'Neill, and Lamar Hunt would be my four for Kansas City sports all time. Nobody came close to what Len Dawson meant and what he continues to mean in the city of Kansas City. Revered, loved, a great gentleman, had time for you, was gracious with his time, and was never bigger than the legend that he carried. Could have been an insufferable pain. I always enjoyed him. Every time that I had any time around him, I always felt better and smarter about the game. When you look specifically at the quarterback position, <clears throat> or any sport, there are certain players that are synonymous with that city. For Denver, it is John Elway. Yeah. For San Francisco, it is Joe Montana. Right. Make no mistake about it. For Kansas City, it is Len Dawson. Tom Brady has a lot of competition with all the Red Sox players. Yeah. There isn't one guy who is synonymous. Is there one guy synonymous in New York? Would it be Babe Ruth? Would it be Mantle? Would it be DiMaggio? Would it be Jeter? Who, it, it, it's a lot it, of options. It's up for grabs. Yeah, you're right. But in Kansas City, it's it is absolutely Len, Len Dawson. Dawson. In Chicago, where I'm from, you can pick between one of two guys and one of two guys only. It's either Walter Payton or Dick Butkus. That's it. But you can argue for either. There is no argument with Len Dawson. Well said. David Hale from ESPN wrote an article ranking all 131 FBS college football teams into 24 tiers for this upcoming season. Colorado was ranked in the 19th tier, which was titled, at least they're not as bad as Kansas, while CSU was ranked in the 21st tier, which was titled Diamonds in the Rough. Air Force was in the 10th tier that was titled The System is Rigged. Are you surprised at all by how the three FBS teams in Colorado were ranked, and what does this say about the state of college football in Colorado? I'll start. The biggest compliment was to Colorado State. Yeah. Diamond of the Rough, that means they're coming yeah. under Jay Norvell. That's exactly what that means. Although Air Force in the 10th slot, okay, I mean, fine. I mean, Because they're a national brand. Yeah, they are a national brand, and they're probably the best right now program right. In, this, in this state. 
Um, it doesn't speak well for what's going up the road in Boulder. Yeah, I, I, that's a little scary. I am not suggesting this is a make or break year for Carl Durrell. But if they don't play well, Rick, Rick George is going to have some decisions to make because the boosters are going to be all in his kitchen. Three and a half's the over-under. And I might take the under. I might take the... And I'm not trying to be mean about it, but if, if I'm down to my last dollar and the over-under's three and a half for CU, I might take the under. Does the pressure go up on CU and its fans to say about Carl Durrell it's time to go if Colorado State makes a jump this year? Ooh. Well, that won't help, let me tell you. But you know what CU's biggest issue is right now? Getting NIL in order. Oh, no, they just started. The players just put something together. Did you see it on Twitter? Yeah, I saw they it. They have their own thing. Pasta Jays is going to be dealing, yeah. dishing out a lot of money. Yeah, well, they better hurry up because they're far behind the curve. And if you aren't in with NIL, you aren't in. You aren't in the discussion. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, they have uh, two great locations in Littleton and Louisville. But you really need to check out as well their clearance center. The prices are a little bit lower. The appliances are still great, but they have a brand new showroom. So they have their clearance center right off of I-25, basically off of like 64th, 68th Street. But you should see this space. I walked in there. Well, I'm going to because we need new appliances for our kitchen. We bought a 120-year-old, no, 105-year-old house. And I think most of the appliances were 105 years old. Were originals. Well, you need to go check it out, Bruce. Again, I'm going. You can go to Louisville, you can go to Littleton, or you can go to their clearance center in Denver. What do we have coming up at 8 o'clock? Well, I will tell you because that's my job. Um... Yardbarker.com, predicting the Broncos. Where do they rank best offense in the league? Where do they rank best defense in the league? I think you're going to like these rankings, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of agree. I do too. That's next.